talk again about being single is not a disease and being married is not a cure. I said to the brothers in the back that I preached all last week in revival and then I came back here and preached at a funeral on Thursday and had another funeral on Friday and I was hoping that Reverend Washington would get me out of this marriage part of the series uh, because I could at one time preach about marriage and go home and break my plate. But now I have to eat out of that plate and so I have to be careful in this marriage part of the series and I tried to get Carlos to get me out but he said you got yourself in this mess and you need to get yourself out of it. Being single or being married, you are no more spiritual because you are married than if you were single. And you're no more spiritual because you are single and not married. Because God can redeem both marriage and singularity. Dr. Ed Young at Second Baptist says the ideal marriage is not give and take. It is give and give. Marriage requires much giving on behalf of both parties. You can't bring your 50% and she bring her 50% because where's the other 50%? Marriage requires much giving on behalf of both parties. And when it is lived right, it is a thing of great beauty and tremendous blessing. It brings fulfillment to life that cannot be duplicated. The basic components of this divine institution is companionship, Romance, covenant, sexual union, joint livelihood, and when it is God's will, children, and a shared religious life. Marriage is a leading biblical metaphor for the relationship between God and believers. And although the union is obvious from the scriptures, I must make it plain to the church here at Lily Grove and to those who are listening to me around this country and around the world, marriage as prescribed by God is heterosexual. Yeah. <laughs> marriage is between a man and a woman. 
Don't take my word for it. Let me read it to you. 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 Let Uncle Rev read it to you. Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. No matter what former President Barack Obama instigated, nor what the United States Supreme Court legislated, marriage according to God is between a man and a woman. It does matter who you love. I wish I had a witness here. It matters to God who you love. You can't help who you love. Yes, you can. That, that, that's why I have a problem conflating the homosexual agenda with civil rights. Because I can't help being black. I was born black. But I can't help holding another man's hand. I can do something about that. I can run over you with this car. <laughs> God, listen to what the scripture says. God did not make Adam a helpmate. He made Adam a helper who could meet him. Because everything missing in Adam was made up for in Eve. Because a horse is a helpmate a cow is a helpmate, but Adam can't marry a cow or that would be bestiality. 
Somebody ought to help me preach here this morning. The woman is the perfect complement for the man. A man and a man is a bad fit. A woman as a, and a woman is a bad fit. A man and a woman just fit so good together. I'm preaching this morning. Just as there are red flags in single relationships, there are myths, M-Y-T-H-S, myths in marriage relationships. I got to walk softly here. Because I used to preach like this and go home and break the plate. And now I don't want that plate broken on me. But I can't not preach the gospel because I might get poison. Let me outline some myths to avoid in marriage. Myths that will keep you out of Reverend Washington's office. Myth number one, you should be able to read my mind. You should know what I want just because you love me. Now brothers, be careful here. Because there are times when your wife wants you to hear her and there are times when your wife wants you to listen to her and she will never tell you which one is which she wants you to hear her at times then there are times when she wants you to listen but you will never be able to decipher which one she wants. And she'll never tell you. And so you're sitting there like a fool trying to figure out, should I say something? Because she'll trick you with something like this. Do I look fat in this dress? Don't answer that. It's a trick question. Somebody ought to help me preach this. And if she wants something or she wants you to do something or wants something that she just wants you to listen to, because listen, men don't care about your girlfriend drama. We, we really, listen, men, when you talk to us, we want to do something about what you're saying. 
And you don't want us to do anything about it. You want us to listen to it. Or you want us to hear you. And you never tell us which one you want. So men, let me help you. Men are real stupid. So you just got to come out and tell us, don't say nothing, just listen. Or here is what I want you to do. You got to let us know because we can't read your mind. Because we'll come home and this morning you were talking. And we get back this afternoon, you sitting down. And so men who try to fix things say, what's wrong? What you mean, what's wrong? You were talking this morning. Well, maybe I just don't feel like talking tonight. It's not our birthday. It's not our anniversary. It's not Christmas. I didn't get a call that nobody died or the house didn't burn down. So let me try this again. Baby, what's wrong? Oh, I'm baby now, huh? What? I cannot read your mind. Myth number two. Intimacy and sex are not the same. Sex to us is physical. Sex for a woman is emotional. And so when men have sex, they are looking at their watch or the clock to say the game come on at eight. But she wants to spoon hold me and you holding her don't do that brethren sex is a response to intimacy not a means to intimacy intimacy and sex are not the same Sitting down watching a movie can be intimate. Sitting down together reading a book can be intimate. Sex is a response to intimacy, not a means to it. And if some of you are blushing and getting embarrassed about this, that's because you've been taught that sex is doing the nasty. That's not what sex is. If you're a real man or a real woman, sex is one of the highlights of your day. Myth number three. Because I'm the head of the house, because I'm the man in this marriage, I can treat you any way I want. Yeah. 
headship does not grant spiritual or personal superiority to husbands that allows them to inflict arbitrary, selfish, prideful, arrogant, or capricious rule over their wives because if it is not in the will of God, it's sanctified and satanic bullying. It's satanic bullying. We going where I say we going. We moving when I say we move. Tell all your friends bye. You my wife and you going to do what I say to do. And, and if she black. She say hey. Hey, 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 who you think you're talking to? You better try to lower your voice before I punch you in your face. Because she sleep with her fist balled up. Just in case a Negro starts something, she read it for you. She is not your child. Her daddy has already raised her. He gave her to you to love, not to raise. Here's another myth. I have a right to fix you. Brothers, be careful here. Because when you marry somebody, you know everything that's wrong with them. And, and, and if you have not lived with them, you're going to find out everything that's wrong with them. But love, when it is real, covers a multitude of faults. And everybody got some faults. And if you're holding out for the perfect man, he died on a cross. Now, now here is the conundrum. Women who are nurturing by nature, women who are nurturing, you, you have a nurturing instinct. And because of the way your parents raised you to be independent, you have never failed at anything. You got good grades in school. You graduated from college. You got a good job. You have not failed socially. You have not failed economically. You have not failed in your career choice. And so you get hooked up with somebody who is needy. And his ego is messed up. And because you have never failed at anything, you stay in a relationship longer than you should because you are trying not to let it fail. But can Uncle Rev tell you something? 
if his mama didn't raise him, you don't love him more than his mama. His mama didn't do anything with him. So what are you going to do with a man child who's 45 years old? You ain't got time for that. When you are smart, when you are intelligent, when you got good looks, when you are able to pay your own bills, you can be choosing. And unfortunately, if you get in a relationship of marriage with that person, you will spend your entire marriage subjugating yourself to fix him. Or to fix her. And, you, and, and listen, you're not going to fix them because there's a hole that's so deep in their spirit that you will never fill it because everything you do will never be enough. You got to be enough in who you are or else you'll never satisfy that person's deep need to be fixed. One more myth and I'm going to the text. Love is not a feeling. That's a myth. Because when you're married, every day you don't feel loving. Some days you're walking around mad. You ain't speaking, she ain't speaking. You ain't talking to me, I ain't talking to you. You don't want to eat, I'm hungry, I'm going to Frenchie. Talk to me. You ain't got to talk to me. I wasn't born with you. I can live without a kidney. You know I can live without you. <laughs> There's some days like that in a marriage. But when love is not a feeling, listen to me, the real issue is not at that time emotion, it's behavior. Even though there are days when we don't feel loving, we still got to act in a loving relationship. Because your behavior will catch up with your feelings. I wish I had some noise right there. Your behavior will catch up with your feelings because the word says where your treasure is. That's not just talking about money. Where your treasure is, who you treasure that's where your heart will be also. And so when I don't feel like it, I have to act like it. And you act like it by backing it up with behavior. Now, brothers and sisters, as I hurry, every woman here, married or single, every woman here, married or single, has three primary needs. A woman needs primarily security. She needs to know that her heart is safe with you. Her spirit, her emotions, her mind, her intellect is safe with you. Not only does she need emotional and physical security, 
She needs financial security. She needs finance before romance. Because romance without finance has no chance. Am I doing all right? I don't want no scrub sitting in the passenger seat of his best friend's car trying to holler at me. Where your car? Somebody ought to help me preach here. A woman needs not just security, she needs affection. She needs to be told you are beautiful. When she asks, do I look fat in this dress? Girl, no you don't. Oh, if I had some pot liquor, I'd sop you. If you were in the desert and your clothes was dirty, I'd wash them with the tears of my eye. That gets them every time. Girl, you a brick house. Mighty, mighty. Letting it all hang out. Shake it down, shake it down, shake it down, down. I'm trying to help you, brethren. She, she needs. Come on, get your mind back in church. Now I'm, I'm trying to preach. Y'all quit acting silly. Now I'm trying to preach to you. She needs security, affection, and communication. She needs to know that you are hearing what she has to say. Not just listening because you wanted to hurry up and get through because the game come on at eight. You're really listening. Now you have to listen at the most inopportune time. I'm hungry, but I got to listen. This is us is about to come on, but I got to listen. Because communication is more important to her than sex. That's what a woman needs. Security, affection, communication. Here's what a man needs. A man needs respect. You don't have to answer him yes sir and no sir, but respect his manhood. Do not emasculate him by comparing him to your father. Do not bring him down by trying to be over him when God put him over you. Not, you're not submitting to him because you're scared of him. You're submitting to him because you're looking over his shoulder at the God who told you to submit. And when you do it God's way, whatever he is not, God will help you save testimony. To turn him into what he ought to be. 
A man needs respect. A man needs, secondly, support. Because I told you, men are stupid. We do stupid things. We, we don't want you to tell us where to go. So we'll drive 10 miles out of the way because we don't want to admit we are lost. And we don't want you sitting there saying, hmm. You went the way I told you in the first place. Just like your crazy daddy. No, girl. Don't say that because when you try to fix him or fix her, it brings anger or resentment or anger and resentment. Third thing, then I'm going to look at the text. Men need respect. Men need support. Men need sex. Some of your brothers was kind of slow with that, with that amen. Something wrong? Women want sex. Men need sex. Amen. And it's not doing the nasty. It's a union between the loved and the beloved. Talk back to me if you can. It is sanctified. It is sanctity in the sexual union. There's nothing bad about it. There's nothing dirty about it. There's nothing wrong about it. And if that makes you blush, you were raised wrong. Men are not dogs. Well. <laughs> let me get to the text. <laughs> Marriage number one is spiritual. It's a spiritual union. Paul tells us, now concerning the things whereof he wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That word, that word touch does not mean physically put your hand on her. That word touch means be in an intimate sexual relationship. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Paul assumes that the married couple will spend time in spiritual pursuits together. Not only should you pray together, but you should pray for one another. The couple's relationship with God must be the primary relationship in his or her life, and then your lives as a married couple should be the primary relationship between the two of you after your relationship with God, because the scripture says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But watch this. You can be unequally yoked with another Christian. Mm. 
Because if that man or if that woman does not share your value system, you're unequally yoked. Uh, I used to have one of my old friends, my teacher friends at home, when somebody would marry somebody who wasn't raised like they was raised, she said, you ain't got no business marrying them foreigners. And I thought she was talking about somebody from another country. She said, no, I'm not talking about nobody from Asia or Africa. I'm talking about marrying somebody who don't share your values. That's a foreigner. Somebody who sit down at the table to eat and cover his food like somebody going to steal it. That's a foreigner. Or somebody who just eat with both hands on the table like a wild animal. That's a foreigner. Or somebody who eat with his hat on in the restaurant and, and you were raised to sit down and put your napkin on your lap and put your hand under the table and then you're going to bring that fool with you to a restaurant? That's a foreigner. Or here you are, have trained your mind to think and then you marry somebody who can't hold a decent conversation and you bring your sorrows to your house to sit down and he come in the house talking about What's up? That's a foreigner. You have no business unequally yoked. Even if he or she is a Christian, if they don't share your value system, you are on the way to Reverend Washington's office. Because marriage has to be a spiritual union between two people who are spiritually equipped to handle all of the bumps that come in a marriage. All the struggle that comes in a marriage. It's hard being married. That's why God did everything he could to keep us from entering that relationship. Because if you're not ready for it, not only are you going to be miserable, but you're going to make two people miserable. You have to be ready to take on that responsibility. Then not only is marriage spiritual, but as I hurry, because the, the camera people are telling me I've been keeping y'all too long and I need to cut my sermons down to an hour, I've got two minutes left. I'd be so glad to get out of this, I don't know what to do with myself. Marriage is spiritual, and then marriage is sexual. Paul is writing to a culture of Christians who are surrounded by the sexual promiscuity of the Greco-Roman world. As a matter of fact, in the, in the world that the Christians were living in in Corinth, there was a temple to a goddess named Diana. And a part of the worship of the goddess Diana, there were temple prostitutes where men would go in and make oblation to prostitutes. They would have sexual relationships with prostitutes in the temple because they were surrounded by the promiscuity of the Greco-Roman world. Paul said, against that sensitivity, here is what marriage ought to look like. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, sexual love is a beautiful tool to build with but it's not a weapon to fight with. He says, do not deny your wife or your husband sexual relation, except for a season if you want to fast and pray and seek God about a particular issue. And when that issue is over, hurry up and get back to sexual relationship 
or you give pause to the devil to come in and ruin what God instituted. Marriage is spiritual. If you're not willing and ready to get into a spiritual union, stay single as long as you can. Marriage is a sexual union because God intends for the, 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 the binding of two people who become one person. So much so that you will disregard the familial relationship of your life, the bond between a parent and a child. A man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And the two of them that were separate are now one in the flesh. But finally, not only is marriage spiritual and sexual, marriage is special. It's a closeness that ought to be there. It's a communication bond that ought to be there. That although I can't read your mind, I can almost finish your sentence. You, you, you've seen that commercial on television, I'm sure, where they're talking about the uh, erectile dysfunction and trying to get the man straight. And once he starts taking medication, the wife will say something like, um, let's go do our taxes. Or another couple will say, it's time to load the dishwasher. It's a euphemism for let's get it on. Because when it is a spiritual union, when it is a spiritual union, it is a relationship like nothing you can describe. It's a bond, it's a closeness, it's a unique communication that, that you are bereft of words. And the reason why no words will come when you get ready to describe it is because it is lifted to this superlative degree. And here is where it is lifted. When we die, when we go home to be with God, when the end comes and the consummation of the age ensues, we are not going to the single supper of the Lamb. We are going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because our union with one another as man and wife is the same union as Christ and his church. And that's why a man ought to leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and the husband love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The Bible never tells the wife to love her husband. The Bible tells her to respect her husband. And if she respects her husband, he will go out of his way loving her 
So that the bond of communication and closeness is like the bond that Jesus has with Lily Grove. Unbreakable. Now there are there are some women in this church who can testify honestly I have wanted to kill him. Two or three times I thought about it. But I never wanted to leave him. Because when it's a bond and even though he's got some faults and some setbacks and some stuff that gets on your nerve that you're getting straight you need to do what Hazel Kimball told me. Hazel, Hazel worked here for a while. She's been a member here ever since I've been here. And Hazel was my administrative assistant for a while. And she's still quasi my administrative assistant. Because I can call her anytime and she'll do whatever I ask. And Sister Kimball and I had such a symbiotic relationship that her husband, when he was alive, I could call Hazel at 1 o'clock in the morning and tell her to change my flight reservations. And Brother Kimball would answer the phone and say, hello. I said, may I speak to Hazel? He said, Hazel, Reverend Anson on the phone. And go back to sleep. He wasn't mad with me. It wasn't no problem. Me and Hazel was just, just had our relationship. And so when Brother Kimball passed, uh, you know, when, you, when you're divorced or when you're single or when you're widowed, people always try to fix you up. And so they were trying to fix Hazel up. And Hazel said, I ain't got time to train no man. She said, I had Kimball train. And I'm too old to be training a man right now. Girl, you need to train him. And here's how you train him. Go to Victoria's Secret. And come back home and cook his favorite meal. And you know he's a fool. You know he's silly. You know he got all kind of issues going on. But... The scripture says, your behavior can change it. Because God didn't just say he loved us. He behaved lovingly towards us. While we were yet sinners. Christ didn't talk about loving us. He died for us. And the death of, of Christ on the cross is the death of you to yourself for the one you say you love. And if you've not died to you, you can't love her. If you've not died to you, you can't love him. Because love is not a feeling because feelings change. Love is a behavior. God demonstrated his love for us. He died to save us. And, and, and the union of a man and his wife is a union between Christ and his church. And he's coming back, not for a single person, but for a bride. The church, the entire church, is the bride of Christ.